Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, in the middle of a very busy tax season, but also a very nice day in Chico. Always good to get out and have a little fresh air. Well, there's so many things going on these days. I am, well, I did want to go over, if anybody has been interested in the new tax law, and I mean the new, new one, there's been a lot of new ones. There was a big giant one in 2018. There was another large amount of things happening last year in 2020. And now in 2021, we have even newer laws. So if anybody's interested that they don't already know, they likely are going to be in for a $1,400 stimulus. People are starting to receive those now. They apply to dependents also, and some people are getting fairly large stimulus totals. If you have, for example, somebody with a husband and a wife and three small children, that would be $7,000. So so that's a good thing. There's also a new child credit that's going up to 3000 from 2000 and it goes up to 3600 per child for children that are six and under, I think. That's an interesting one because they're planning on pre, they're planning on sending those out as advance cash to people in July of 2021. So we'll see how that goes. That's going to be interesting, but they're going to start giving a advance on those child credits. So if you have young children, they're going to want to start sending you cash to cover those credits, but you do have a way to opt out and uh, get the credits on your tax return instead. That seems a little complicated to me, but then again, everything's getting complicated, so why should I expect it to to ever get simpler? What else is new in the new tax law? Well, I mean, the big one that came out was of the unemployment received last year in 2020, the first 10200 is non-taxable. If you filed your tax return before that law changed a couple weeks ago, they've said they don't want you doing an amended return to fix it to get an extra refund. They act like they're going to correct it themselves. So if you filed prior to that law change and you paid tax on your unemployment, they're going to send you a refund based on reducing your income by up to 10200 of unemployment. So that's a helpful one. Now, that one's not available for tax returns with over 150000 of income, but most people, especially people that are unemployed, most people didn't have that much income. So that that law pretty much is going to apply to everyone. There's just uh, enough going on. Uh, being the middle of tax season, I just I'm so busy. I I made time out to come here today just to sort of get out of the office and enjoy an hour of talking, hoping to hoping to entertain you a little bit. I don't have I don't have a lot of exciting uh, fun stuff today. I'm just a little bit, this whole virus thing is still getting to me. I'm not going to go into detail, but 
I'm seeing a major dividing line between people. They're either extremely concerned about it or they're not concerned about it at all. And uh, unfortunately, I think medicine has become political, and I don't think that's a good thing. But I won't really, I won't get involved in all that. So what else is new in Chico? Let me see. I know I've been reading uh, the ER reports, uh, news. I know that Aaron Rodgers Foundation is actually helping. He donated a lot of money to help a lot of businesses that were shutting down. So that was a good news thing, and I know that that got followed through on. Um, Let me just um, see if I can find some recent local news that's good news for, for local business. I can say that overall, oh yes, and the tax season being extended till May, uh, for my office, it really won't affect me because before they did that change, I have already planned to be very busy after April 15th with other interests, which means that I am not going to let my tax season be extended till May 15th. I'm going to get done everybody that I would have done by April 15th. The only good thing about the extension for me is that if there's anything I've missed or if someone new comes to me right in the last day or two, we do have a little leeway to get the individual income tax extended or or completed by May 15th instead of April. It's interesting they didn't extend the business returns that are due April 15th. I don't believe they extended the trusts and estates, which are also due April 15th, just the individual 1040, the basic individual tax returns. The prepayment for 2021, if you're a person who has to prepay their estimated tax, those are not extended. Those are still due April 15th. The only thing that's extended is the filing and the tax payment of the individual 2020 tax returns that are due April 15th. They're now due May 17th because that falls on a, the May 15th falls on a Saturday. So it's May 17th. Well, that's my exciting tax news. I'm virtually working around the clock when I can to get all my taxes caught up. There's some clients who are waiting for me to get finished. I assure you, me here at the radio station is not affecting my time away. It's part of my break time, which I take a couple hours every day. And I do enjoy being here, and I hope you're having a good spring. Spring's been here for a week, over a week now, and it is really getting warm. I'm actually driving a car that is an old car that I've had since I've actually had it for 32 years, 33 years, and I wouldn't call it a collector car, but it is sort of a cool car, and I'm driving that these days, and it's a great car, except the air conditioning hasn't been working for a while. Uh, I may get it, if I decide to keep using this car on a regular basis, I'll definitely need to get the air fixed living in Chico, but during the winter, it's a great car because the heat works just fine, and it's actually a 1988 Camaro. And I looked up on eBay, and there's some similar cars, and the people are asking quite a bit of money for these 
old 80s Camaro, so maybe I have a decent investment. My main concern, of course, as you know, if you've listened to Business Buzz, my main concern is what's going to happen to the money everybody thinks they have when inflation takes over. It's physically impossible for our government to keep printing money and bailing everything out and sending money. Unfortunately, the giant COVID bill of $1.9 trillion with these stimulus things inside it, unfortunately, only 10% of that entire bill is COVID-related. The rest is fluff and pork, as they call it. I believe that there's been about $5 trillion spent since the COVID thing hit. And one of the points some people make, and I've got an article I'm going to read today, one of the points some people make is, well, if deficits don't matter, why do we have to pay income tax? And that really is a good argument. If they can keep printing $5 trillion every six months to bail things out and act like it doesn't matter, then why does it matter that you and I have to give part of our income away, pay people like me to do them? I'm not complaining that I get to do that for a living. I've been doing it for 40 years in one form or another. It's amazing that people can go along with the status quo on the tax side and have IRS as a place that might audit somebody or, you know, sending you a nasty letter when you owe 500 bucks. But at the same time, they can print and put us into debt by another $5 trillion without batting an eyelash but they don't consider getting rid of the income tax side of the equation. I am going to look that up right now because that's something that I, being being the middle of tax season, I have not had time to look these things up. What I'm looking up is what is the total individual income tax amount that the government takes in from making us file individual tax Let me see what that says. Because I don't think it's more than two or three trillion, and I've got to find that out. It's a, it's kind of an amazing number. I'm just going to type in 2019 because I know it's a lot lower in 2020. So let me see what this thing says. Uh, the latest year is 2017 and paid 1.6 they reported 10.9 trillion in income and paid 1.6 trillion in individual income tax now that to me is amazing if everyone is now 2017 had higher rates than 2018 and 19 and 20 and this pandemic of 2020 is going to have knocked that way down it's amazing that they can print 5 or $10 trillion to bail all this stuff out, but they can't excuse us for $1.6 trillion of income tax. I find that quite amazing. Not that I want to get rid of my own job, but I, I, am, in, I am approaching retirement age, so maybe, uh, 
maybe I can play both sides of the fence here and promote uh, no income tax to start right during the year I'm retiring. That wouldn't be nice. That's pretty incredible. So think about that. Think about the fact that our entire economy is built on trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. We work hard to make what we can make. We have to pay in a percentage of what we make as income tax. But that $1.6 trillion is a drop in the bucket, and it's dwarfed by just what they've printed in the last what, nine months, however long this is. I can't even keep track of all this stuff. And uh, don't get me talking about politics. I'll lose half my clients if I speak my mind, so I won't. So after the first break, I'm going to start talking as one of my usual subjects. The whole thing about printing money is what I've I've been talking about this for years, and it's just getting worse and worse. The most interesting fact that I remember talking about on Business Buzz, I don't have it at my fingertips, the total value, and I'm going to look that up too while we're talking, the total value, if we're looking at a deficit now of $30 trillion, I know it was just a year or two ago when I was sitting here on Business Buzz talking about $20 trillion and saying how it'll never be paid back. But now we're, now we're at $30 trillion and nobody seems to even you know have a problem with that. So I think still the most amazing statistic to me is this one, and I'm going to try to find this when I can. I don't know how old this is. The full stock of U.S. housing is now worth $36.2 trillion. U.S. housing markets combined value hits $33.6 trillion in 2020. Now, think about that. I mean, I could just drive around Chico and look at all the nice houses and all the nice neighborhoods. We're going to be coming up on that first break in a minute. But think about driving around the entire town of Chico. It would take you, you know, take you at least a couple hours to drive through all the neighborhoods, look at all those houses. There's our break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back, and I'm going to blow your mind with these numbers. I'll be right back. Thanks. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And And we're we're the the owners of South Coast Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family 
and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 8.36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed, and one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX. In this age of ear-tickling, where are we to turn to hear the word? This is Pastor Greg Lundstedt from Equipping the Saints Radio, and I would like to invite you to tune in to Equipping the Saints to hear the uncompromising preaching and teaching of God's word on this station. Look us up on the web at www.etsradio.org. We look forward to our time in the word together. Pastor Greg Lundstedt and Equipping the Saints Radio. Weeknights at 6.30 here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm taking a break right in the middle of tax season. I'm going to get them all done. I've only got one more day of actual at-my-desk appointments, and I've got two weeks to get the rest of it done, which I'm working on very diligently. So here's the most mind-blowing thing to me. When you look at our deficit of, let's just call it $30 trillion, and I'm sure it'll be $33.6 trillion within a couple of months based on what's going on right now. Think of it this way. The total value of every home in the U.S. is $33.6 trillion. So if you want to know how much $33.6 trillion is, imagine driving around, just start in your neighborhood, drive around and look at all the homes you see, then keep going outward in Chico and try to cover all the different neighborhoods in Chico, go down to the avenues. and the, Oh, don't forget West Sacramento and all those houses uh, that are all nice and pretty expensive now. And then you could head out to Songbird and Kiefer and all those nice houses. So you would try to cover every neighborhood in Chico. Now you have to go to Redding and do the same thing. Then you'd have to go to Sacramento and do the same thing. Then you'd have to go down to the Bay Area. You'd have to stop in Vacaville, Fairfield, Vallejo, and drive around every neighborhood and look at all those houses. Then you'd go to the East Bay and you'd have to go through Berkeley and drive through all those hills and look at all those nice homes with views of the Golden Gate Bridge and how expensive they are. I mean, I would like to have just one of those, but we're talking, think about, imagine driving around every neighborhood in the country, and that includes Bel Air, Beverly Hills, Newport Beach, Redondo Beach. Oh, don't forget Del Mar and San Diego, or La Jolla. Don't forget La Jolla. You'd have to drive by all of those houses. I mean, can you imagine that is what $33.6 trillion represents? So if anybody thinks it's possible to ever pay that off, 
think again. It's complete disaster, and it's uh, it's all over. There's no way it's going to ever get fixed. Now, the thing is, what would the solution be? Not the solution, but what's the end result of all this money printing? What else could it be but inflation? So I'm going to read this interesting article. It's by, I actually got it off of the website goldswitzerland.com, which is where I read my Egon von Greyer's articles. And this one's by a guy named Matthew Pippenberg. It's dated March 20th. And it's called Making Sense of Comex Insanity. Now, Comex is the exchange where the silver and gold futures, the paper silver and gold get traded. I'm just going to read some of this. Uh, We certainly live in interesting times. Yet, be you bear or bull, left or right, optimist, cynic, or pessimist, one would be hard-pressed to pretend that anything is normal. Many are questioning why a virus with a death rate of less than 0.4% has shut down the global economy for a year and counting. Despite extremely legitimate moments of silence for those who died with or of COVID, others are questioning policymakers who ignored protecting the most at-risk profiles while remaining largely silent for the self-inflicted death for the rest of Main Street economies shut down across the world. As millions of Americans await a check from Uncle Sam to the tune of $1,400, some are wondering why SEC, which is Securities and Exchange Commission, some are wondering why SEC-sanctioned liars and tweet-happy frontrunners like Elon Musk tech giants are amassing fortunes. Incidentally, that $1,400 check is one-fourth the cost of the dress worn by Meghan Markle in her recent attempt to convince Oprah and the rest of the world to sympathize with her unique struggles, while more than 50% of U.S. children are living in welfare-assisted homes. Again, is this normal? It certainly is interesting. Central banks printing trillions per year to buy otherwise unwanted sovereign IOUs, those are like treasury bonds, are keeping bonds so oversupported and overvalued that the bulk of the nominal and real yields on government debt are negative, something never seen in 5,000 years of recorded market history. Meanwhile, more than 20% of U.S. corporate bonds are literally zombies, dead men walking on new debt to pay interest on old debt with no chance of ever repaying principal, as the vast majority of U.S. corporate credits well over 65%, are either levered loans or just one eyelash above junk status. Slowly rising yields still openly repressed by central bank intervention are now being telegraphed to the world as a sign of economic growth by Wall Street Pinocchios paid to sell hope rather than facts. At the same time, the media now has the masses convinced that a magical vaccine will solve everything despite reams of congressionally ignored evidence that the specific antibodies within these vaccines attack nonspecific antibodies so critical to our immune system for later illnesses. In sum, when it comes to central bank accommodation, 
lockdown measures yield manipulation or rapid-fire vaccines, it's at least plausible to wonder if certain policy cures are indeed worse than the global diseases. That said, I'm certainly no virologist nor an expert on Oprah's ratings or Elon's Twitter account. So these are just rants and questions rather than dispositive conclusions. But I am, like so many of you, starting to question the interesting world around me. Then he has a part called The Openly Insane. What is less open for debate, however, is the otherwise obvious yet media-ignored disaster otherwise known as the global financial system and the distortions, i.e. lies, that govern them, as evidence, for example, in the comical CPI measure of inflation. The very fact that markets reach all-time highs while global economies, GDPs, employment rates, and social condition reach new lows in the backdrop of a worldwide shutdown, for example, ought to have everyone, including those who know nothing about free market capitalism, scratching their heads. This is because there is no such thing as free market capitalism in a world where central banks, eight key commercial banks, and one or two global institutions, IMF and World Bank, have effectively and completely taken over as well as distorted almost every aspect of the natural supply and demand forces to which we and Adam Smith once swooned. In case you think such statements are meant to create drama rather than perspective, let's consider objective facts rather than controversial adjectives and nouns. It would and has taken hundreds of pages to create drama rather than perspective. Let's consider objective facts rather than controversial adjectives and nouns. Rather than break such a word count here, let us briefly examine just one corner of this twisted world order and illustrate how rigged the current playing field, otherwise known as free market capitalism and free market price discovery, truly is. In short, let's draw back the curtains to that corrupted stage, otherwise known as the COMEX futures market for precious metals, and see for ourselves. Buckle up. Now, this is going to be very educational. I hope you guys are... Hope you have a few minutes to just sit and listen to this because it's this is going to be really important. For many, the COMEX futures markets is a very scary, mysterious, and almost foreign universe. And yes, it's all so complex in all its trading, paper, players, strategies, and layers. Too complex indeed to fully unpack here. At its most basic level, however, the COMEX futures market is a place where paper contracts representing actual hard assets from soybeans to gold are traded. I'll be right back after this break. We're going to dig in a little more to the COMEX futures, and this is something you all need to know. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back. Attention KKXX listeners, be sure to tune in weekdays at 8 a.m. for Hope for Today. We are excited to have the opportunity to air the Hope for Today program with David Hawking. Please make sure to support the ministry work of David Hawking and all the other wonderful ministries that allow us to spread the good news of Christ here on the North Valley's home for Christian talk. KKXX 930. 
While you're listening to KKXX on AM and FM, don't forget you can also download the KKXX app in the Google Play Store. Tell Alexa to play Life Radio KKXX or call in on the Audio Now listen line at 667-930-9347. That's 667-930-9347. Check out KKXX.net for a full listing of programs, podcasts, and all the ways you can tune in here on Life Radio KKXX. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. I am a veteran. I lost both legs in Vietnam. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. My victory was getting my benefits and a good education. DAV helps veterans of every generation get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran. I didn't want to admit it, but I have PTSD. So veterans can reach victories, great and small. My victory was finding help and learning that I wasn't alone. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm hoping you're having a nice afternoon. I'm hoping I can entertain, educate, and elucidate a little bit while I'm here. So I want to just briefly explain what these future markets are and uh, what they were supposed to be when they started. They were originally set up as what they call for hedging. And what that means is I'll give you a couple examples to explain that. Let's say you're a farmer and you know you're planting 100 acres of corn this year and uh, you know you're going to produce, and I'll just throw some numbers out because I don't know all these yield things. Let's say you're going to produce 10,000 bushels this year on a if you if the weather goes okay and you can make a living if you sell those 10,000 bushels for $3 a piece. Now, you don't know what the price of corn is going to be when harvest time comes, but right now on the futures chart on the, I'll just call it the December corn, the price for December corn is $3. So you say, okay, I'm going to hedge my 10,000 bushels of corn that I'm going to have, and I'm going to, I'm going to, sell a contract for 10,000 bushels. I think each contract is 5,000, but whatever. I'm going to sell 10,000 bushels and I'm going to get $3. Now, here's the thing. Let's say that by the time harvest time comes, the price of corn has dropped because there's too many bushels and the weather was too good. And now the price of corn is $2. Well, I sold mine for $3 on this futures contract. So I'm going to end up being able to keep the entire $3, even though the futures now is down to $2 because I sold at $3. 
So when I sell my corn at the market in December for $2 a bushel, my contract that I contracted for at $3 is now worth the extra dollar per bushel. And I get that as my profit. So I'm selling all my corn for two, but my contract that I hedged with gives me that extra dollar. Now, the way it works on the opposite side is someone needing to buy. Let's say you own an airline. Let's say you know you need a million gallons of jet fuel uh, right now for the next year. And right now the price of jet fuel is only $2 a gallon. But you're worried that by the time you're buying all your fuel during the year, it could end up 3 or $4 a gallon. So you would buy enough of these futures contracts with a date a year out at $2. And so let's say it comes true that during the year and you're paying for this fleet of jets to be flying, the price now is 3 and 4 and $5 and you're going broke paying for this fuel. Well, at the same time, you're paying $5 a gallon for the fuel. You made a profit of $3 per gallon on your when you bought it at 2. So you're going to be paying $5 a gallon for your fuel during this high price time. But the contract you started when it was $2 has a profit of $3 per gallon. So you essentially are still paying $2 per gallon for your fuel and you're going to have a profitable year. That is the definition of hedging. That's what these places are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to allow farmers and buyers and producers who need to buy gasoline, copper, silver. Uh, th- that's what it's for. Okay, So I wanted to lay that out. Because once you understand what these markets are supposed to be, then you can understand what they've turned them into. And that's what I'm talking about today. So I'm going to continue with this article. He says, from simple to manipulated. I just made it simple for you with that explanation. Such simplicity, however, gets more complex when that same exchange allows those simple contracts to be traded with leverage anywhere from 100 to 1 to 300 to 1. In short, far more contracts than the actual assets within them. In other words, what he's saying here is that, okay, if you're a farmer and you're hedging 10,000 bushels of corn, the new system would allow you to play with this system and bet and gamble on uh, 300 times that. It would let you gamble on 3 million bushels of corn. But if the time comes, you can't deliver 3 million bushels because you only produce 10,000. That's what he's talking about. The simplicity gets even more complicated when participants are allowed to go long and short those contracts via the use of admittedly complex derivative instruments. Finally, this simplicity gets fully distorted and complex when a small minority of extremely deep-pocketed participants control the vast majority of the buying and selling of these contracts, and hence their pricing. In short, The COMEX futures market is not a simple place for the buying and selling of paper contracts, but rather a highly corrupted place for the manipulation, leverage, and manipulation of those paper contracts, and hence the pricing of the assets they represent. But paper, as we know, is ordinarily just a flimsy thing. 
Paper is also where we get to hold and touch fiat currencies, which, like most paper products, are not terribly valuable. As Voltaire famously said, all paper money eventually returns to its intrinsic value, zero. Yet this ever-weakening paper money, ever since Nixon robbed it of its gold backing in 1971, is what makes the ever-mad financial world go ever-round in this new, ever-interesting era. Central banks and broke nations therefore need to make otherwise weak paper appear valuable and will do all kinds of complex market gymnastics to keep the illusion that paper is actual wealth. Toward this end, it is therefore very, very important for those powerful players to make true stores of wealth, i.e. gold and silver, look far less valuable than what the natural market would otherwise dictate. In short, and this is the key to the whole thing, in short, key market manipulators described below like to use paper products to make gold and silver products look less sexy, for if gold and silver were to be priced according to genuine supply and demand forces, then the entire and embarrassingly broken paper scheme of global fiat currencies and markets would fall like a house of cheap paper cards. Hard to believe, let me show you. Take my two favorite misunderstood yet historically confirmed stores of genuine rather than paper value, gold and silver. Popular demand for these assets is in fact massive, which means their price power should be openly and equally so. After all, true free market capitalism rewards those assets which enjoy high demand but relatively low supply. Right? That's Econ 101. Let's look then at the example of rising demand for silver in 2021. So he goes on to show the demand for silver, and let's do the same for gold. And he says, with such rising demand for ETF gold and silver, allegedly backed by actual physical gold held by the custodians, shouldn't gold and silver prices therefore be skyrocketing in the paper markets they represented? Well, as alluded above, paper is a funny thing, and for the policymakers, central banks, major commercial or bullion banks, who are deeply threatened by rising gold and silver price, paper can be easily manipulated, which means so can the price of gold and silver. So if you catch what's going on here, they're trading contracts of gold and silver where there is no gold and silver behind it. And so that would be like the farmer who who bet on his corn futures based on a million bushels when he only owns 10,000 it doesn't work and it has to be it has to be kept basically uh propped up with these paper contracts so the bottom line in this article and I recommend everybody should read the whole thing is that the uh same thing I've been saying on business buzz for quite a while the more they print and it's gone into high i mean i've been doing business buzz for two or three years now this pay this money printing has gone into hyperdrive and there's no end in sight so it's not going to be pretty when all you have to do is look to places like venezuela where they've had hyperinflation uh it could happen here and once it starts it's uh it won't be pretty. And it, if the value of a dollar goes down by 
let's say it goes down. Well, it has gone down by 90% in the last 100 years. But if it goes down by another 90%, that means that your $100,000 that you've saved in your retirement account is only worth 10000 of today's dollars. That's That's what you're looking at when you look at what inflation and hyperinflation could do. And that's what makes it makes it sort of scary. Now, the other interesting thing about the metals is that the metal called palladium has actually gone up about five times of its value over the last year or two, and it's an industrial metal used in a lot of car parts and uh, catalytic converters, and that palladium was not being paper it wasn't being manipulated with the paper and it went from about $400 an ounce to right now it's around $2,600 an ounce. That's the kind of thing that happens when they lose control of the paper markets. And at some point that will happen with gold and silver. So it's, it's just a good idea to have what I call money insurance so that part of, part of your money is hedged with a percentage of it in physical gold so that if and when inflation does eat up the value of your other assets, the gold portion will keep up and uh, kind of save you, basically. Well, here comes that last break. I'll be right back with some good news to share with you. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Vegas. As more Americans declare no religious affiliation or identify as atheists, it is concerning as we recall founding father John Adams' words, quote, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Folks, our morals and religious restraints have eroded from our founding Judeo-Christian principles, Proposed federal legislation further weakens these principles by restricting the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and prioritizing the new radical LGBTQ privileges. We must put on God's armor and stand firm against this anti-faith onslaught. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. Empowering people out of poverty, helping kids and communities to shine. There's nothing quite like it. At World Vision, we've seen what happens when a child gets clean water or nutritious food, when she feels safe, gets to learn in a classroom, or discovers that she has infinite worth. Together, we're working to help every kid everywhere grow into who God created them to be. Reach out with us today and help people change their own lives for good. Learn more at worldvision.org. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, in the middle of tax season, enjoying a nice hour of hopefully education and entertainment, I guess. 
Oh, one other thing about those new stimulus checks. They are bigger and better than before, but they have a bit of a limitation, a bit of a difference. The old, the first two stimulus checks had a upper income limit of 100,000 single and 200,000 married to get them. The new limits stop at 80,000 single and 160 married. That's the trade-off of the bigger amount. So if you make between 160 and 200 as a married or uh, 80 and 100 as single, you won't be getting this big new stimulus when you probably got the old one. So it's just kind of unfortunate. So for the last segment here, it's a, it's going to be a long night for me. I got a lot of work to do. And some of you probably know that I do because I haven't called you yet to tell you your taxes are ready. So I'm going to read a few choice items from my favorite book, which is called A Course in Miracles. And you basically have to drop everything you've been thinking lately and Switch your mind over to a whole new way of thinking when you start doing these these lessons. So there's all kinds of places to start, but I kind of opened the I opened to this one that I think I'll start with. This is lesson twenty in the workbook, and it's called I Am Determined to See. So just relax a little bit. If you're driving, don't close your eyes, but just relax and let's uh, let's explore a new way to see. Here we go. We have been quite casual about our practice periods thus far. There has been virtually no attempt to direct the time for undertaking them. Minimal effort has been required and not even active cooperation and interest have been asked. This approach has been intentional and very carefully planned. Now, that's talking about the previous 19 lessons. Now it's going to get serious here. We have not lost sight of the crucial importance of the reversal of your thinking. The salvation of the world depends on it. Yet you will not see if you regard yourself as being coerced and if you give in to resentment and opposition. Now, that's something I'm going to interject here. That line is pretty much the crux of the entire book. The crucial importance of the reversal of your thinking. The salvation of the world depends on it. Yet you will not see if you regard yourself as being coerced and if you give in to resentment and opposition. This is our first attempt to introduce structure. Do not misconstrue it as an effort to exert force or pressure. You want salvation. You want to be happy. You want peace. You do not have them now because your mind is totally undisciplined and you cannot distinguish between joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain, love and fear. You are now learning how to tell them apart, and great indeed will be your reward. Your decision to see is all that vision requires. What you want is yours. Do not mistake the little effort that is asked of you for an indication that our goal is of little worth. 
Can the salvation of the world be a trivial purpose? And can the world be saved if you are not? God has one Son, and He is the resurrection and the life. His will is done because all power is given Him in heaven and on earth. In your determination to see, His vision given you. The exercises for today consist in reminding yourself throughout the day that you want to see. Today's idea also tacitly implies the recognition that you do not see now. Therefore, as you repeat the idea, you are stating that you are determined to change your present state for a better one, and one you really want. Repeat today's idea slowly and positively at least twice an hour today, attempting to do so every half hour. Do not be distressed if you forget to do so, but make a real effort to remember. The extra repetition should be applied to any situation, person, or event that upsets you. You can see them differently, and you will. What you desire, you will see. Such is the real law of cause and effect as it operates in the world. So the the exercise there is the title, I am determined to see. Now the next lesson, 21, they always build on each other. They're always kind of gradual here. I am determined to see things differently. The idea for today is obviously a continuation and extension of the preceding one. This time, however, specific mind-searching periods are necessary in addition to applying the idea to particular situations as they may arise. Five practice periods are urged, allowing a full minute for each. So actually, this book is saying how tough these new lessons are and they're demanding five one-minute periods in a day. I mean, that's like, come on. In the practice periods, begin by repeating the idea to yourself. And that the idea is, I am determined to see things differently. Then close your eyes and search your mind carefully for situations, past, present, or anticipated, that arouse anger in you. The anger may take the form of any reaction ranging from mild irritation to rage. The degree of the emotion you experience does not matter. You will become increasingly aware that a slight twinge of annoyance is nothing but a veil drawn over intense fury. Try, therefore, not to let the little thoughts of anger escape you in the practice periods. Remember that you do not really recognize what arouses anger in you, and nothing that you believe in this connection means anything. You will probably be tempted to dwell more on some situations or persons than on others, on the fallacious grounds that they are more obvious. This is not so. It is merely an example of the belief that some forms of attack are more justified than others. As you search your mind for all the forms in which attack thoughts present themselves, hold each one in mind while you tell yourself, I am determined to see so-and-so differently. And then it's, I am determined to see, and then in brackets, specify the situation differently. Try to be as specific as possible. You may, for example, focus your anger on a particular attribute of a particular person, believing that the anger is limited to this aspect. If your perception is suffering from this form of distortion, say, I am determined to see, specify the attribute, in so-and-so differently. Lesson 22, it's going, uh, it's taking this a little further with each one of these. What I see is a form of vengeance. 
Today's idea accurately describes the way anyone who holds attack thoughts in his mind must see the world. Having projected his anger onto the world, he sees vengeance about to strike at him. His own attack is thus perceived as self-defense. This becomes an increasingly vicious circle until he is willing to change how he sees. Otherwise, thoughts of attack and counterattack will preoccupy him and people his entire world. What peace of mind is possible to him then? It is from this savage fantasy that you want to escape. Is it not joyous news to hear that it is not real? Is it not a happy discovery to find that you can escape? You made what you would destroy. Everything that you hate and would attack and kill. All that you fear does not exist. Look at the world about you at least five times today for at least one minute each time. As your eyes move slowly from one object to another, from one body to another, say to yourself, I see only the perishable, I see nothing that will last. What I see is not real, what I see is a form of vengeance. At the end of each practice period, ask yourself, is this the world I really want to see? The answer is surely obvious. Well, now the way I look at that is like, even if that, even if you don't believe that's true, if you try it, you get an ex- you get an idea of how it makes you feel, and that's the thing about this book. You can't really prove a thing about it, but you can see the results when you actually try uh, these lessons. So, lesson twenty four. I do not perceive my own best interests. In no situation that arises do you realize the outcome that would make you happy. Therefore, you have no guide to appropriate action and no way of judging the result. What you do is determined by your perception of the situation, and that perception is wrong. It is inevitable, then, that you will not serve your own best interests. Yet they are your only goal in any situation which is correctly perceived. Otherwise, you will not recognize what they are. If you realize that you do not perceive your own best interests, you could be taught what they are. But in the presence of your conviction that you do know what they are, you cannot learn. The idea for today is a step toward opening your mind so that learning can begin. The exercises for today require much more honesty than you are accustomed to using. A few subjects, honestly and carefully considered, in each of the five practice periods which should be undertaken today, will be more helpful than a more cursory examination of a large number. Two minutes are suggested for each of the mind-searching periods which the exercises involve. The practice period should begin with repeating today's idea, which is, I do not perceive my own best interests, followed by searching the mind with closed eyes for unresolved situations about which you are currently concerned. The emphasis should be on uncovering the outcome you want. You will quickly realize that you have a number of goals in mind as part of the desired outcome, and also that these goals are on different levels and often conflict. In applying the idea for today, name each situation that occurs to you and then enumerate carefully as many goals as possible that you would like to be met in its resolution. The form of each application should be roughly as follows. In the situation involving blank, I would like blank to happen and blank to happen, and so on. Try to cover as many different kinds of outcomes as may honestly occur to you, even if some of them do not appear to be directly related to the situation or even to be inherent in it at all. 
If these exercises are done properly, you will quickly recognize that you are making a large number of demands of the situation which have nothing to do with it. You will also recognize that many of your goals are contradictory, that you have no unified outcome in mind, and that you must experience disappointment in connection with some of your goals, however the situation turns out. After covering the list of as many hoped-for goals as possible, for each unresolved situation that crosses your mind, say to yourself, I do not perceive my own best interest in this situation, and go on to the next one. Well, that's interesting. i got to get a little bit of Lesson 25 in. Lesson 25, I do not know what anything is for. Purpose is meaning. Today's idea explains why nothing you see means anything. You do not know what it is for. Therefore, it is meaningless to you. Everything is for your own best interest. That is what it is for. That is its purpose. That is what it means. It is in recognizing this that your goals become unified. It is in recognizing this that what you see is given meaning. You perceive the world and everything in it as meaningful in terms of ego goals. These goals have nothing to do with your own best interest because the ego is not you. This false identification makes you incapable of understanding what anything is for. As a result, you are bound to misuse it. When you believe this, you will try to withdraw the goals you have assigned to the world instead of attempting to reinforce them. Another way of describing the goals you now perceive is to say that they are all concerned with personal interests. Since you have no personal interests, your goals are really concerned with nothing. In cherishing them, therefore, you have no goals at all. Well, I encourage you to pick up a copy. I'll see you next time on Business Buzz. Thanks for listening. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Have a great week. KKXX Paradise, K280GL Chico, and K283AR Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. The IRS says a phishing scam is targeting students and staff with .edu email addresses at colleges and universities. The fraudulent emails display the IRS logo and use various subject lines like tax refund payment or recalculation of your tax refund payment. The emails ask people to click on a link and submit a form to claim their refund. The phishing website then requests people to provide personal information like their name, date of birth, and social security number. People who receive the scam email should not click on the link, but they can report it to the IRS. I'm Shelley Adler. The State Department is rejecting the Trump administration's human rights strategy, which was favored by conservatives. White House correspondent Greg Clugston reports. During the Trump administration, the State Department emphasized religious freedom in its promotion of human rights abroad. That approach won the backing of religious and social conservatives. But Secretary of State Blinken is doing away with that blueprint because it downplayed reproductive and LGBTQ rights. A State Department official says Blinken believes all human rights are universal and co-equal. Greg Clugston, 
Washington. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham says he owns an AR-15 style rifle for self-defense. It's a fact that came out as Graham discussed a Democrat effort to put through an assault weapons ban in the aftermath of recent mass shootings. The South Carolina Republican says he owns an AR-15 himself so that in the event of a natural disaster in his state where police could not protect his neighborhood, he would be able to defend his own home. Graham told Fox News Sunday, quote, my house will be the last one the gang will come to because I can defend myself. He also says a gun ban bill will not garner 50 votes in the Senate, let alone the 60 it would need to proceed to final passage. Bob Agner reporting. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 104 points, the Nasdaq dropped 14. More at townhall.com. A heart attack? He was 47. What about Janice and the kids? Do they have life insurance? No. Call Select Quote now and get the insurance your family needs at a price you can afford. In minutes, SelectQuote found John, 45, in excellent health, a $500,000 policy for only $29 a month. And his wife, Anne, 43, in excellent health, a $500,000 policy for only $21 a month. At SelectQuote, we comparison shop some of the most trusted insurance companies in America to find you the best rate in minutes. And it's free. For your free quote, call 1-800-644-1331. That's 1-800-644-1331. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-644-1331. Select quote. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Here's the townhall.com business brief. U.S. home prices increased at the fastest pace in seven years in January. The coronavirus pandemic has fueled demand for single-family houses, even as the supply for such homes shrinks. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20-City Home Price Index rose 11.1% in January from a year earlier. That's the biggest gain since March 2014. Prices rose in all 20 cities. And the 12-month increase was larger in January for all cities than in the previous month. Correspondent Jeremy House with that report. Stocks finishing lower. The Dow dropped 104 points today to close at 33,066. The Nasdaq down 14 to 13,045. The S&P 500 off a dozen to 3,958. New York oil fell a dollar and one cent, closing at $60.55 a barrel. With business, I'm John Scott. News and analysis at townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. Good parents aren't perfect, and that's okay. But there are ways you can grow every day. Focus on the family's seven traits of effective parenting assessment can give you a look at your strengths and areas that could use help. 